Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recordings. Uh, good Monday, everyone. Welcome back to Locked on ACC for February 24th, 2020. I'm Brian Lummer. I'm your host. I am from FB Schedules and College Hoops Digest. And speaking of college hoops, today's going to be very college basketball heavy. A lot of basketball in all three segments, seven games around the conference over the weekend. We'll break down all of them. Also get to a Twitter question as much as we can. And some other things. If you want to contact the program in the interim, you can do that on Twitter at LockedOnACC. You can also send us an email, LockedOnACC at gmail.com. We strongly encourage your emails, tweets, voice memos, whatever you'd like to send. Just like I say, if you send voice memos, keep them clean, keep them of value, and keep them short. Thanks. Let's start by looking at Virginia and Pittsburgh in chronological order, to be fair, lest anyone accuse me of being a Virginia fan. Virginia beat Pitt 59-56, four who's in double figures Saturday. Kihei Clark led UVA. He had 17 on 6 of 11 shooting. He grabbed five boards and dished three dimes. So a pretty strong all-around day for the Cavalier point guard. Braxton Key, Mamadi Diakite, and Thomas Wolde Tensai also all poured in 10. Diakite scored a double-double by snaring 10 boards. UVA... Again, playing with a short bench. They've been doing this for quite a while, but they again did so Saturday. They played just eight players. Casey Morsell shook off an ankle injury that he'd accumulated Wednesday to come back and tally 24 minutes. He scored seven off the bench. Morsell is a key figure for UVA. He's not had the most uh, outstanding statistical year, but for UVA to get anything accomplished in the ACC tournament and beyond, they're going to need Morsell on both ends of the floor. Virginia put up an outstanding first-half effort from the floor. They knocked down shots at a 52% clip. The second half, though, not so stellar. The Cavs put home just 35% of their shots in the closing 20. Xavier Johnson and Adis Tony, they were the lone Panthers in double figures. Johnson paced all pit scorers. He had 16. Tony added 13. Johnson and Tony, 12 of 18 from the floor. But get this, all other Panthers, just 10 for 39 from the field. Pitt slogged through a 38.6% shooting effort. They were 22 of 57. They were 3 of 15 from beyond the arc. And Jeff Capel talked about this. We actually had the comments from his press conference a couple of weeks ago, it seems now, where he talked about this was going to be a process, not to expect everything to fall into place all at once. He talked about inheriting a dumpster fire. Pretty clear this Panther team is not a dumpster fire, but it will take some time for them to continue to develop the constant three-player scoring, the constant depth that they need at this level. It's coming, though. Free throws again plagued an ACC club. We've talked about that seemingly every day on Locked on ACC in the first month of the program. Pitt hit just 8 of 14 from the stripe. The Panthers enjoyed a 32-26 advantage. And get this, when does this happen against UVA? UVA, so proud of its defense. Everyone always talks about UVA and how well they lock down opponents. The Panthers had an 18-4 points advantage off turnover Saturday. Still couldn't get past UVA, though. I would venture to say you could probably watch UVA basketball for the rest of this year 
And there will not be another team that has an 18 to 4 points advantage in turnovers. Pitt did so Saturday. Virginia, with the win, moves to 19 and 7 overall. They are 11 and 5 in the ACC. And for anybody who said that Virginia might not make the NCAA tournament, there were a few of them out there. I actually saw a tweet last week about this year's underachieving teams across the nation. And Virginia was listed at the top of that grouping, North Carolina right below them. Carolina, I get. Virginia, this is supposed to be, and if you ask any Virginia message board dweller or tweeter or whatever else, they'll tell you, well, this is a rebuilding year. And sure it is. But to win 19 games overall, 11 in the ACC, even in a down year in the ACC, that's not underachieving to me. Sure, last year you won the national championship, but there's no Kyle Guy, no Ty Jerome, no DeAndre Hunter on this year's team. Pitt, meanwhile, falls to 6-11 and 11 and 15-13, and 13, but I think the Panthers are bound for the postseason somewhere, assuming they don't finish below 500, and they'll be an interesting team to follow whenever it is they get there. Continuing on Saturday's action, let's look at Louisville and North Carolina since we speak of the Tar Heels. Louisville beats North Carolina 72-55, the Cards continuing their usual balanced scoring output. Just two Louisville players finished in double figures. Jordan Wara, again, posting a double-double. He scored 18, snared 11 caroms. Malik Williams, just one board shy of joining him. He had 17 points and nine boards. Louisville posted a 17-0 run during the game on the way to a 46.7% shooting day in which the cards led by as many as 24 points against the Tar Heels. Cole Anthony, Recorded the lone double-digit finish for the Heels. He put home 7 of 16 tries and recorded 18 points to go along with 7 rebounds. Christian Keeling and Andrew Playtech adding 9 apiece. Carolina again struggling from beyond the arc. They hit just 6 of 22 from 3-point distance. Neither team worked its way to the line much. And this is also kind of a, a weird anomaly if you consider the way basketball has gone this year. We've talked about free throw shooting However, teams rarely get to the line so infrequently. The teams combined to go just 14 of 19 from the stripe. Not all that common where you see a game in any conference, much less the ACC, where teams combine to shoot fewer than 20 free throws, but that happened Saturday. Another significant scoring advantage off of turnovers in this game, Louisville turned 17 Carolina miscues into 18 points, Louisville, on the other hand, committed 12 turnovers, but those turnovers led to just five UNC points. So Carolina unable to capitalize on cardinal cough-ups or whatever random alliterative term you want to use. Carolina drops to dead last in the ACC, another thing we never thought we would say on this program. The Tar Heels 3-13 and in league play, 10-17 and overall. They are definitely going to Greensboro on day one. Whether they will finish as the 15 seed is another question. Wake hovering right around them. But to think of North Carolina as even a consideration for playing Tuesday, much less being the last place team, weird year. We'll talk more about the Cardinals a little bit later on in the program for reasons you might be able to surmise if you just think about it for a minute and think about what day this is. Before we get to Louisville and the rest of the ACC, however, I owe you the first break of the program. Let's go ahead and take that. We'll come back. 
talk about some more of Saturday and Sunday's basketball action and much, much more. You are listening to Locked on ACC. Welcome back to Locked on ACC for February 24th, 2020. I'm Brian Wilmer. You can follow me on Twitter if you'd like. I am at Sports Matters if you want to see all things ACC and non-ACC and read some bad jokes. I'd love to have you. Let's get back into ACC basketball. Let's shift gears to Florida State and NC State. We'll talk about Florida State a little bit later on in the program as well for reasons you might be able to surmise given what day it is and what we just mentioned. Florida State 67-61 winners over NC State. The pack coming off of that big victory against Duke, unable to make it two in a row. Patrick Williams continues his surge for the Seminoles. He joined MJ Walker. Both of those guys paced the Knolls. They had 12 apiece. Devin Vassell logged 37 minutes and scored 11 points for the Seminoles. He snagged six boards and recorded three steals. Trent Forrest added 10 for Florida State. Realistically, if you want to step inside the numbers for a second and look at what kept this game close, because if you look at the score and you think 67-61, probably pretty good game. Not terribly so, and here's why. Florida State hit just 5 of 19 from 3. There's that pesky 3-point shooting again. And speaking of pesky things... The Knolls were an alarming 18 of 29, or 62% from the charity strike. You know, I think back to college media days at the beginning of the year and going to various media days, and one of the things that came up pretty much across the board was, so, coach, how do you think the new three-point line is going to affect your team? They always answered, oh, it won't affect anything. They'll just keep shooting. In some cases, no. But what we really slept on was how it would affect free-throw shooting. Yes, I know the three-point line and free-throw shooting are not directly tied. However, free-throw shooting is down across the nation. You keep seeing teams losing games by four and five points and missing eight and nine free-throws. To borrow a line from the great Tony Patelis, free-throws are free. Daniels and Helms combined for 32 of State's 61. Daniels finished a board away from a double-double. Quite a bit of that on Saturday. A lot of guys finishing with nine boards and just narrowly missing a double-double. DJ Funderburk scored nine and grabbed five misses for the pack, but he fouled out after playing just 27 minutes for NC State. Florida State outworked NC State in the paint 34-26 and had a 13-7 margin in points off turnovers. For NC State to only get seven points off turnovers, that's a pretty significant number. Of course, Florida State, a very disciplined team, it's still seven points off turnovers. You've got to generate more with your defense if you're struggling that badly on offense. We talked about Pitt probably qualifying for the postseason somewhere. Syracuse also probably qualifies for the postseason somewhere. They beat Georgia Tech 79-72 Saturday. Hughes and Dolajai scored 20 apiece to lead the Orange. The two leading scorers also combined to go 20 of 22 from the line. We talked about free throw shooting. It's what it looks like when guys get it done. Joe Girard III scored 15, Buddy Beheim 13 for Syracuse, both in 38 minutes of play. This is also an interesting statistic. We look at a lot of numbers on this program, but this, this one intrigues me. The Orange scored 21 points in transition against the Ramblin' Wreck. 
transition buckets are not easy to come by in the ACC. They're especially not easy to come by against a team like Georgia Tech. They're even harder to come by if you're somebody like Syracuse. But you consider, what, roughly a quarter of your points in transition? That'll work. Moses Wright made his case for ACC Player of the Week plaudits. He connected on 14 of 17 shots and finished with 33 points, adding 10 boards to that lofty total. Michael DeVoe, the only other Georgia Tech scorer in doubles, he scored 11 for the Jackets. Georgia Tech missed 8 of its 26 tries from the stripe. Free throws again. That's obviously a concerning number for a team that lost by 7. Then (laughs) there's this game, and this game... (sighs) Wow. Clemson beats BC 82-64. That's not really the story. Five Tigers finished in double figures. They were led by a career-best 22 from Alamir Dawes. Dawes knocked down 6 of 10 from 3. Amir Sims, another double-double around the league. He had 12 points and 11 boards in 34 minutes of play. John Newman the third, Tevin Mack, and Hunter Tyson at 11 each for the visitors. Clemson, get this, shot a sizzling 68.9%. They were 31 of 45 from the floor, including 12 of 23. That's 52.2% for us communications majors who can't do math from three. Jay Heath tallied 16 for the Eagles on a 6 of 14 performance, guiding four double-digit BC performers. Jared Hamilton scored 12 in 28 minutes. Derek Thornton and Nick Popovich scored 10 each, but combined to go just 7 for 22 from the deck. Looking at Some of those teams we just went over, Syracuse and Clemson now tied with NC State and Notre Dame in the ACC, all 8-8, Clemson 14-12, Syracuse 15-12, NC State 17-10, Notre Dame 17-10. We'll talk about Notre Dame in the next segment, but you start looking at those teams and start comparing resumes. I'm not really the resume guy. There are a number of people on Twitter who make a living out of posting things about comparing resumes. I'll let them do that. But just an interesting jumble behind Virginia, all competing for a double buy, all competing for just a buy period. Interesting grouping of teams there. Georgia Tech right behind them, 7-9. and nine. They are 13-14. and 14. BC also in that discussion. They are 7-10, and 13-15. and 15. BC needs some help. To get to the postseason. I I don't see that happening. Georgia Tech. Maybe. Georgia Tech concerns me. If we're looking at teams that are trying to get to the postseason. Of any ilk. But the Jackets are still alive. If you look at Georgia Tech's remaining schedule. That's where you have to start. Trying to pile up wins and losses. They play Clemson. Tomorrow. That an ACC game. Then they play Miami. Also an ACC game. That on Saturday. Then they're home for Pitt and at Clemson. Realistically, all of those games are winnable for Georgia Tech. But are they likely? That's a question to ponder. Another rough season for Josh Pastner and crew. But the postseason is still a possibility. And the CBI has shown it will take under 500 teams if they're interested. So we'll see what happens there. Time for break two of the program. We'll come back, break down the remaining ACC games from the weekend, answer a Twitter question, and we'll see what else we can squeeze in. This is Locked on ACC. ACC. 
Welcome back to segment three of Locked On ACC for February 24th, 2020. I am Brian Wilmer. Just a couple of games to break down from the weekend's action around the ACC. We'll start with Duke and Virginia Tech. Duke throttling Tech 88-64. We talked a lot about Duke already on this program for obvious reasons, and it almost kind of feels odd to recap a Duke game in which Vernon Carey was not the leading scorer. That's how it shook out Saturday. Cassius Stanley paced the Blue Devils, 21 points and 7 boards. Carey and Matt Hurt each scored 16. Hurt reached a double-double with 10 boards. Carey finished one off that pace, and there's another. That has to be the third or fourth guy that missed a double-double by a board. Carey did that on Saturday. Trey Jones contributed 14. However, he was just 4 of 12 from the field. 14 of those Duke rebounds came on the offensive end. Those led to 10 Blue Devil points. Tyrese Radford scored 16 for the Hokies. He also fell one board short of a double-double. This is a recurring theme on this program, no? Isaiah Wilkins scored 11 for Tech. Hunter Couture, 10. Tech shot just 37.3% from the field. They were 25 of 67. They were 8 of 24 from 3. That 33%. Duke shot... Now, again, before I go forward with this, we talked about free throws as a recurring theme. There are a lot of people who think Duke gets an unfair advantage at the line. I'm not going to opine on that. However, here's a number. Duke shot 31 free throws compared to Tech's 7. Now, granted, part of Duke's offense is getting downhill, getting into the paint, drawing fouls. 31-7, to though, that's a tough look. Again, not casting any aspersions, not making any accusations, just saying Mike Young might want to focus a little more on drawing fouls from his team. Finally, last night, Notre Dame 87, Miami 71. TJ Gibbs and John Mooney led the Irish. They had 19 apiece. Mooney also grabbing 12 rebounds to record his 22nd double-double of this campaign, his 43rd in South Bend. Prentice Hub added 15. Dane Goodwin, 14 for the Irish. Notre Dame led by three early in the first half before an 11-0 run gave Mike Bray's club a 14-point advantage from which it never really looked back. The Irish shot 47.1% from the field and 45.2% from three. They hit 14 of 31 from beyond the arc. Three Canes tallied 12 each. DJ Vasilovich, Isaiah Wong, Harlan Beverly all hit that mark. Miami hit just 22.7% from three. They were five of 22 and 41.4%, 29 of 70 from the field were the Canes in that loss. So we've told you about the ACC standings kind of intermittently. Let's break down quickly the remainder of those standings. Louisville atop the league, 14-3, 23-5. Duke, 13-3, 23-4. Florida State, 13-3, 23-4. Virginia, 11-5, 19-7. And then we get to that big jumble in the middle. Clemson, Syracuse, NC State, Notre Dame, all 8-8 eight eight in the league. Clemson, 14-12. Syracuse, 15-12. NC State, 17-10. Notre Dame, 17-10, as we told you. Georgia Tech, 7-9, 13-14. BC 7 and 10, 13 and 15, Virginia Tech 6 and 10, 15 and 12, Pitt 6 and 11, 15 and 13, Miami 6 and 11, 14 and 13, Wake 4 and 12, 11 and 15, and Carolina 3 and 13, 10 and 17. There'll be some good teams on that Tuesday in Greensboro. Pitt, Miami, 
at all. They've battled their share of challenges this year, whether it be injuries or just development of a program. But they're good teams. They're competitive teams. How far can they get when you look at the way that this tournament format breaks down, though? It's it's so very tough to win day after day after day, particularly when you're facing the seemingly fatal flaw that each of them has faced this year. We'll obviously break down the bracket in much, much, much more detail as that time approaches. Tonight, one game on the board. That game, Louisville and Florida State, a top 10 matchup. Louisville, Florida State, 7 o'clock ESPN. Florida State, minus 2.5. Our good friend Eric Haslam over at Haslametrics, if you're looking for a good Twitter follow, that is at Haslametrics, H-A-S-L-A-M-E-T-R-I-C-S, has Florida State as a two-point winner, 71-69, Should be a whale of a contest. We'll break that one down on tomorrow's program, as you might anticipate that we would do. Had a Twitter question that I wanted to address, at least to get started. We have to break down this question in much, much more detail. And we will, at least wanted to start on the process, our good buddy Austin, at unashamed underscore 76 on Twitter, asks... If you had to choose an ACC team to win the national championship today, who would you choose and why? The obvious answer is Duke. That's If you're thinking of you know, the, the quick, you have five seconds to name an, uh, an answer or else you self-destruct, Duke would be my first five-second answer. And here's why. You look at Vernon Carey. He's a guy for whom no one seems to have an answer. You even heard Kevin Keats talking about it, that he knew Kerry was going to get his, and the plan was just to stop everybody else. You have, and, and this is scary to say, you have a veteran point guard as a sophomore in Trey Jones, but he's a point guard who's so incredibly savvy on the court. He has such incredible court vision. He's so smart. He's a coach on the floor. You have Matt Hurt. You have Cassius Stanley back. You have athletes all over the place. It's tough not to pick Duke if you're looking for the immediate answer. Now, if you take a second and step back, Louisville could contend if Jordan Wara is truly back. He's had a great few games, but those struggles that you heard on the program before gives you a little bit of pause. Florida State, I really like. And tonight, you look at This game tonight, it's going to tell you a lot about both these teams, but I really, really like Florida State, particularly Patrick Williams and what he's done of late. Florida State has depth. They have a great veteran coach. Granted, all the coaches in the ACC are great veteran coaches, but Leonard Hamilton, outstanding coach. Any of those three teams could win a national title. I think Florida State, if you're looking for teams that are built for depth, and built to withstand being banged around for six games, they're the best choice. If you're looking for a team with athletes and an unstoppable post-presence, Duke is that team. And if you're looking for perhaps the best player not named Vernon Carey in the league, and if you're looking for another great coach and an up-and-coming team, Louisville's your pick. I'd be tempted to lean more toward Duke or Florida State than Louisville at this point, but... I was asked if I had to pick right now who my choice would be. I know Virginia's the defending champ. 
I just don't see Virginia having enough depth or enough shooting propensity for six games to get it done. Their defense is still elite, just still not sure if they can muster up enough offense and enough depth to be able to make a six-game run. More on that, though, like I say, as we wind down the season and get into the postseason play. Very briefly, as we close the program, just wanted to share with you the Baseball America Top 25, and there are some ACC teams in that Top 25. Break down the weekend in baseball a lot more on tomorrow's program, but there are ACC clubs among the Top 25. Those clubs include North Carolina 22nd, Georgia Tech, 19th, NC State, 17, Duke, 16, Florida State, 12, Louisville, 7, Miami, 6. The top five teams around the nation, not from ACC play, but Florida, number one, followed by Texas Tech, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, and Michigan. Again, as I mentioned, we'll break down the weekend in baseball quite a bit on tomorrow's program, but for right now, your Baseball America top 25, including those teams, from around the Atlantic Coast Conference. Let's go ahead and bring to a close Monday's edition of Locked on ACC. Again, if you want to share anything with us, please do it. Locked on ACC on Twitter. Locked on ACC at gmail.com, your email address. Until tomorrow, I am Brian Wilmer. This has been Locked on ACC. Thanks for joining us. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell everybody to listen to Locked on ACC. Love you. Mean it. <laughs>